Morning Faith Life, it's so good to be with you again. Um, just thank you so much once again to our, our wonderful musicians for that uh, worship session. And of course to Anna and the cat. Um, yeah, I guess we're kind of getting a, a, a menagerie each week, aren't we now? We had the, the puppy last week, we've got the cat this week. So I'm thinking that by Christmas we award the prize to the first person to do communion with a hippopotamus. So big prize, you get the hippopotamus ready, we'll do communion with the hippopotamus. It's, it's so good, isn't it, just to uh, be family, be natural, to be real, to be um, free, to share our walk with Christ uh, together and to encourage each other and build each other up. And with that in mind, as we're looking forward to uh, returning to our venue in May, uh, there's still some quite a bit of stuff to work out there, logistics and so on. But if you if you keep an eye out for the notices, keep an eye out for the update videos, uh, keep watching on Sunday mornings, and remember to stay connected because if you miss stuff, you won't really know what's happening uh, when when we we really start kicking in and and getting moving towards the the great things that God has for us uh, coming up this year. And so uh, we we kind of heading towards the end of our series in 1 Peter. We're going to be uh, finishing that next week. But for, uh, for this morning, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to be uh, looking at, at what he has to say there about how to deal with the enemy of our life. So uh, you get your Bibles ready. Um, you know, one of the things that... Uh, when you come to the end of a, a kind of a lockdown like we've been experiencing, start heading out of that period, you tend to uh, reflect on things. And one of the things I've been uh, reflecting on personally is that, you know, when this, this extended period, I recognise that that's done things with my thinking. You know, it, it, it's inevitable that when we go through a sustained period of time, stuff uh, gets in, uh, it, it wears you down, it discourages you and you know that's one of the real ploys that the, the enemy uses and life uses in, in our lives because basically the longer the time period the harder it is to retain our hope and the longer the time period what tends to happen is that our vision for the future, our vision for our new ideas, our creativity tends to get closed down. So if you're experiencing that, if, if that's kind of what's been happening with you over the last few months, then just recognise this. First of all, that's normal. That's normal, natural uh, processes that we go through. But it's also the activity of the enemy and it's also the activity of our own flesh. So whilst it's normal, uh, it's something that we can deal with, we can move on from and we can head out of. And so that's really what Peter is going to be talking about in the passage that we're looking at this morning. Um, now, here's, here's the first thing that I want you to recognise about all of this. Because up to now, Peter's been talking about all the problems that they were experiencing in those churches that were going on around them. Their external circumstances, the persecution, the attacks of the enemy, their own internal issues and so on. Now, he's going to say switch almost to, to something which is equally important and often we miss. That the problems around us 
are not our enemy. And so we mustn't let those problems around us lead to giving the enemy a place in our life. Now let me just explain that. All these things that go on around us, they're a product of living in a fallen world, a sick and dying creation, surrounded by people who don't believe in God, who are rebellious, who've gone their own ways, uh, carnal Christians who walk in the flesh, our own issues, our, uh, our own problems, and then they, they, they all occur as a result of the fall of creation. But there's also an enemy to be dealt with. So the problems around us are not the enemy. So don't let those problems lead you into giving the enemy a place in your life. So let me, uh, let me kind of build on that. You know, a lot of people, when you ask them and you start talking about the devil, you start talking about Satan, they go, oh, that's just that's rubbish, that's just superstition, that's crazy talk, you know, there's not a real devil, and etc. And sometimes you get that even from, from believers, uh, thinking it's just sort of superstition and we give too much prominence to the enemy when we, when we say things like this. But the truth is that the enemy, the devil is real, his uh, demons are real, and they are influencing the world. You know, there's a greater spiritual reality than this physical reality that we see. And we're not just wrestling or dealing with these physical realities, but we're also dealing with the rulers, what Paul calls the rulers of darkness in this age, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So that's what Paul calls them. He obviously believed in them. He thought they were real and he thought they needed dealing with and Peter's going to talk to us this morning about how we deal with those things. You see, the enemy and his hordes are working unbelievers. And you say, well, what's that got to do with me? Well, those unbelievers affect you. And uh, Paul tells us that they once walked, you know, we, we were the same as those unbelievers. We once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So the, the enemy is at work in people in the world. And, you know, honestly, he can also get to us if we give him a place. That's why it's so important we don't lead, let the problems around us lead us to giving him a place in our life. And, uh, you know, when we walk calmly, when we don't follow the spirit, when we just walk according to our own logic, our own thinking, up, down all over the place with our circumstances then it gives the enemy a place in our life and he's only got one objective he comes to steal kill and destroy he's not he's not out for our good he's not out for our best and then we go oh why is everything happening to me it's because we've let the enemy have a place in our life because we we got led down that path because of the circumstances that we're going through and he's going to use those circumstances to get into your life to uh, steal, kill and destroy. And you know that the thinking and culture and pressures of the world uh, and our own learned behaviours sometimes are acting inside of us and outside of us to, to put that pressure on. Now, all of that sounds a bit glum, doesn't it? It sounds a bit negative and so on. And it, and it would be if it wasn't for the victory of Christ. You see, there's good news. In the midst of all those things I've just said, there's good news because you have been delivered 
from the dominion of the powers of darkness. And that's good news. And that means, you know, they're still real, but you do not have to be dominated by them because you live in the victory of Christ. You live by the Spirit and by the Spirit you can live differently, you can walk differently and you can have more, you have more power and authority than the enemy and you need to use it. If you don't use it, it leaves you wide open. So you need to know you've got that authority and you need to use it. So how does the enemy work? Well, the enemy works at a very basic level of getting us to accuse ourselves. He's called the accuser, but he gets us to accuse ourselves. How does he do that? He affects our thinking. You know, uh, how can I put this? Uh, when we, we find ourselves in our heads and in our thinking and in our minds, accusing ourselves, uh, looking at all our failures, all our messes and so on. And when we look at that, instead of looking at Christ, it leaves a gaping hole where the enemy can find entrance to get in. And he's going to ramp up the ante once he gets in. So we know need to, how to deal with him. We know, need to know how to stop him messing with our thoughts, messing with our emotions and messing with our hope. And that's what Peter talks about. So let's go there. What First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 first peter chapter 5 verse 8 well actually let me let me start at verse 6 therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time cast all your care upon him for he cares for you be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, he's just pretending to be a roaring lion. He sounds like a roaring lion, but he isn't a roaring lion. About like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, stand steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus... After you've suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. So God is in the business of perfecting us, establishing us, strengthening us and settling us all down. So that's, that's the course we're heading to. We can't stop the circumstances. We can't stop problems coming. Bad things do happen. We live in an unhealthy world, but we can go through that and we can end up in a place where we're perfected, established, strengthened and settled. And that's really good news. And you know, when the, when the enemy's looking for this way to, to get in, we need to know how to put up our defences, don't we? So let's just take a, a little detour before we, we come back to Peter. And let's go to James chapter 4, verse 7, where he's talking pretty much about the same thing. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then just... Look down a little bit to verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want to be lifted up. We want to overcome. We want to go through. We want to come out the other side, perfected, settled, stronger, established. And that's what's promised to us here. 
that the, these things that we've been through, the things in our past and the things we've experienced recently, God is bringing us through them to settle us, establish us, bring us through strong and uh, lift us up. So, all good news. You see, how does that happen? Well, firstly, it, well, it comes about like this, that God is not the one who's against us. He's not the one holding your failures against you. He's not the one accusing you. He's not the one that keeps dragging them up. He's not the one that keeps reminding you of this event in your past and that event in your past. He's not the one that's telling you you're overwhelmed and you can't cope. That's the enemy. The enemy is telling you those things and therefore, what do you do? You deal with those things. You resist those things. You stand against those things. You use what you've got, which is the victory of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in you, and you stand against those things and you say, that's not me. My Saviour has delivered me from those things. He's delivered me from the dominion of the power of darkness. I now live in the kingdom of the Holy saviour who loved me and gave himself for me and i can walk free from this stuff and i'm not looking back i'm looking forward and that's how we deal we start to resist we start to 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 push back against the enemy you know the enemy's the one who's keeping the record of your sin god isn't doing that the enemy's the one that keeps the record of your failures so when that's coming in your head it's either coming from your own flesh which you can deal with or it's coming from the enemy. It's not coming from God. And that is good news. That's so good. God is not the one pressing on the hurt and pain. The enemy is the one pressing on the hurt and pain. And if you want to be free of it, you need to know that you can resist the enemy. You know, how do you do that? Well, the first thing that, 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 that those verses say is that we need to submit. Submit. Submit yourself to God. James 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves to God. Okay, so the word for submit there is a Greek word, hupatasso, and it means that you voluntarily and deliberately put yourself in that position. You cannot fight the enemy and not be submitted to God at the same time. So if you want to fight the enemy, if you want to get him out of your life, God has to come first in your life. If God is not first in your life, if you're not submitted to, to God, if you are not engaging with God as your number one, looking to him as your saviour, your deliverer, uh, your, your victor, then you will struggle and will not be able to resist the enemy. So the step is that voluntarily and deliberately you need to submit to authority. Because another... Uh, way of explaining hupatasso is that it means to hide behind someone's back and shelter for protection well if god's not prominent in your life if god's not the one filling your focus if you're not hiding behind god and looking to him looking to his strength his power his victory his spirit his might if you're not looking to him but you're looking to yourself you're looking at all the problems you're looking at what everybody's saying you're looking at all this stuff the enemy's put in your head and you haven't got God number one in your life, you've got all sorts of other priorities, then you will have moved yourself out of his protection. And it's very difficult outside of his protection to resist the enemy. You see, if the devil's already entrenched in your life, what do you do? You put on the protection that God has provided. 
You go to God for help. You hide behind his back and he's going to help you deal with the problem. He's going to help you process it. He's going to help you sort it. But, you know, I, I talked last week, didn't I, about this situation that many people get themselves in, that when these bad times come, when these difficult times come, when stuff's gone on a long time, when you can't seem to walk free because those same people are coming up again and again and hurting you and attacking you and messing your life up and all those other things and you can't see a way through. The reaction that some people have and the reaction that some people are having right now in the body of Christ, maybe even in our church, is I've had enough of that. I've done with God. I'm turning, I'm walking away. I, I, I thought God was meant to fix my life and sort my life out. Well, this is how it works. It doesn't work if that's what you do. It works when God is first place in your life, not when God is shoved away. And that's so important. We must make God first in our life. If we don't do that, in the times we live in, we are open to the enemy. And it's no good blaming God. It's no good thinking it's all, you know, God's problem or whatever. God is our victory. He is our uh, deliverer. He is our strength. He is our shield. He's our covering. Um, he's our shelter for protection and we've got to run to him and then it says resist the devil resist the devil now that word resist greek words again anti-histemi anti-histemi it means to stand against well that, that's that's kind of straightforward isn't it but that doesn't really capture the full essence of it it means to be an attitude of being fiercely opposed to defiant uh, and it comes from, from a military term, which means pre-planned resistance. And, you know, um, how, how can I put that? It's, you know, when we, we are so wet when it comes to, we, we kind of go through our life and we, we drift a, along and we go to church and we do all the, you know, we're there on a Sunday and, you know, we, we maybe attend a midweek group and then when things start to go wrong, when things start to get difficult, we go, oh, I don't know about that Christianity stuff. And worse than that, we do not fiercely oppose the enemy. We do not defy the enemy. Sometimes even we defy God. And that, that's crazy thinking, but it's, it's thinking we can get in ourselves. And, and why is that? As I said at the start, it's, it's that time period, it's that, that time that's starting to drain our hope and lessen our hope. And it's the wrong way to go. You know, when it talks about this uh, pre-planned resistance, when we, when we do that, it means that we've got to have put something in first. So the, the, these things that I'm teaching you now, they're not new things that I'm teaching. In fact, uh, this very passage I taught on about, I guess about a year ago now, because we all need reminding of these principles. And you know, when we resist the enemy, when we've prepared ourselves, when we've sorted our thinking out, what's, what's, the, um, what's the result? It says uh, that the enemy will flee from us. You know, as long as we don't do anything, as long as we don't resist, 
the enemy is going to push us around all over the place. He'll pull you up, he'll press you down, he'll kick your feet out from under you when you get going, he'll stamp on you when you're on the floor, and he'll keep going and he'll keep going. Why? Because we are not resisting, we are not putting God first, we're not humbling ourselves and submitting to God and resisting the enemy. And they're really simple steps, but they're steps that we have to do. You know, faith life, it's time to fight. It's time to kick the enemy where it hurts. It's time to go back. It's time to say, you know, I've been told for so long what I can't do. Now I'm going to do some stuff. Now I'm going to reach others. Now I'm going to help others. Now I'm going to love. Now I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to destiny that God has for me, the future he has planned for me. And I'm going to overcome you, enemy, because you You've got nothing on me because Jesus died for me. And it's time we got that attitude, that attitude of being fiercely opposed to the enemy and submitted to God, a pre-planned resistance. And when we do that, he's going to flee. You know, when you resist, what this verse is telling us, when you, do, when you take that attitude, when you place yourself there, he's out of there. He, he cannot stand. You know, the only thing he can get that causes him not to flee is if he can get you thinking wrongly. So we need to think right because if, what, as soon as we start thinking right, as soon as we get that attitude, he's out of there. As soon as you say, that's it, I've had enough, you're not pushing me around anymore, you've had enough of my life, that's had enough of my life, that person's had enough of my life, no more, I draw the line in the sand, what happens? He's out of there. Because you have resisted. And as you resist, he doesn't just walk, he flees. He turns on his heels and he runs as fast as he can out of there. How can you do that? Because Christ has already defeated him and you are just bringing about and uh, taking the, receiving the benefits of that victory. But the truth, you know, the truth is, and perhaps what many of you are experiencing right now is as long as we, as long as we do nothing, the devil's going to push you around. And I, the, the, the one thing he's going to try and do is move you from a position of faith, standing in the grace of God, to a position of, I've got to sort it and I'm failing to sort it. And if he can move you at that simple step, he can stay and he can win. He's going to try and get you out of the grace in which you stand. And he's going to keep pushing. He's going to push you. He's going to push you in your marriage. He's going to push you in your relationships. He's going to push you in your finances. He's going to push the buttons in your health. Whatever it is that he can get to you by, he's going to push those buttons. But you need to know that you have an inheritance that is untouchable that has been provided by Christ. And so... As long as you stand in grace, knowing that it is God's victory, Christ's victory, won at the cross, and you resist the enemy, he can't push you around and he can't steal from you. So he's going to try and get you out of grace and out of faith. And that, that's always a tactic because it's the only tactic that he has. And here's the thing, if he can move you, he can steal. So... That attitude, that attitude of, um, of uh, being fiercely opposed to him sounds like this. 
you've tried moving me. You're not moving me anymore. This is the grace in which I stand. This is the victory on which I base my life. I am uh, attached to the rock that doesn't move and you are not moving me. And that's the way we deal with it. You know, we, it's kind of difficult to be mad in your head and not let it come out of your mouth. So you need to speak these things to the enemy. You, you know, the, the person who you share a house with or the person you're married to or the kids might think you're crazy when you're going around like this. But you need to explain to them exactly what you're doing, why you're doing it and how it makes a difference in your life. Because there's power in speaking the truth of the word of God and the good news of the gospel. You know, when you, um, when you get to this position, you know, when you kind of, it's almost like finding him out, seeing him for who he really is, seeing the enemy for who he really is. When you realise that he's the one in your head telling you you can't do it, he's the one in your head telling you you're a failure, he's the one in your head telling you you'll never get past that thing that happened to you, he's the one in your head telling you it's all too difficult, he's the one in your head telling you you're overwhelmed, he's the one in your head telling you you're depressed and you're down. And, you know, when, when you, when you realise that it's him, when you realise all those things you've been, that, that have been going on in your head, when you call him out, when you say, you have nothing on me, because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The spirit of Christ rests in me. And in all these things, I am more than a conqueror. And he's got plans for my future to give me a future and a hope. And I'm looking to those plans. I'm looking at the things that I cannot yet see, but I will see because I, they will take substance by my faith. And I'm looking to those things. And when you do that, when you call him out like that, he's gone. He's off the scene. So you really kind of our best defence to all this is not to let him in the first place because he's looking for a way to get in your life. But if you found that you've drifted, if you found that you've let him in, if you found it's now difficult to get him out, you need to do these things that Peter is telling you. You need to do these things. Put God first. Return to God. Make him number one in your life. Not your career, not your family, not anything else, not your, your finances, your health, your house, your house move. Nothing like that. God has to be number one in your life. You know, when you gave your life to Christ in order to receive salvation, you gave him your life. It's now his. So you submit to God and you resist with attitude and you kick back at the devil. So it's really important principles there. You know, um, one of the big things about all of this is that, the, you know, the best way to deal with the enemy is to have some sort of a alarm system that identifies when he's active, when he's on the pal, when he's moving around. And... Uh, you know, let, let's go back to, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a rolling lion, seeking whom he may devour. So, what's your antidote to that devil who's prowling around your property, prowling around your life? Your antidote is to be sober, be vigilant, and watch out, and then resist him. 
resist him and stay steadfast in your faith. So, you know, I was, I was reminded of this this week. We, we've had a, a little uh, problem. Uh, we've got one of these four slot toasters and uh, the other day I put the, some toast in the, in the, the right hand slots to toast and uh, it was about 20 seconds later and then all the power went off in the house and the cat, the, the, the uh, burglar alarms all started going off. There's this huge noise from all the burglar alarms and, and I thought, oh my goodness, what's happening? And what happened was that the toaster had blown the, blown the fuse. It had kind of shorted out and blown the fuse downstairs and that had taken the power out for the whole house. So when I went to, down into our cellar and I, I flicked the fuse up, all the power came back on. Um, now, what happened was that uh, about half an hour later, Matthew came through into the kitchen and uh, he put some toast in the toaster as well and did the same thing. And all the alarms went off again. All the, uh, you know, the noise, the clatter, and he's going, what's going on, what's going on? You see, that um, alarm is set to register a problem. And when a problem comes along, it, it kind of sounds and it, and it goes off. And we need a security system to stop the devil messing with our life. And so what's that, that security system? Well, first off, we've got to be vigilant. Uh, now, that word being vigilant that's, that's used there it means to be on high alert. It means give you attention to where the problem is. Give you attention to, to where, where, where the, the, the uh, enemy is, is setting off your perimeter alarms. Give you attention to that and deal with it there. Put your security system on. Build uh, some, a wall of resistance to keep out the enemy. So, you know... One of the things that uh, Matthew then decided about this toaster was that he would um, have a system so that he could use the two left-hand slots rather than the right-hand ones because the left-hand slots didn't set things off. Ultimately, yeah, we're going to get a new toaster. I, I get that. So he, he realised that if he unplugged it and switched the toaster off, if he had to replug it in and switch it on, he would remember to put it in the left-hand slots. So... He, he had a way of, of knowing that he, he was using that security system properly and that he wasn't going to set it off inadvertently, but he was going to set it off when there was a real problem. You see, the, the thing about the enemy is we know he comes to steal, kill and destroy. He's a kleptomaniac. He cannot stop himself trying to steal. He wants what you have. He wants the good things in your life and it's his nature to steal them. So how are you going to stop him getting that foothold? Well, you're going to be vigilant. You're going to be on a high alert. But you're also going to be sober. What does it mean to, to be sober? It means to, um, to think straight. Have presence of mind and clear judgment. And, uh, you know, what are you having presence of mind and clear judgment against? Because, uh, you know, I've used the example of a, an alarm here. But you're having presence of mind and clear judgment about something equally important, which is you have an adversary. Your adversary, the devil, goes around prowling like a lion. And that word adversary is, is a Greek word, antidikos. And it means kind of a lawyer who argues in court, a prosecuting lawyer. And he brings charges based on legal violation and he proclaims you guilty. He says you're guilty and he's trying to convince the judge you're guilty. And the judge in this case is not only God, but it's yourself. 
and he's trying to convince you that you're guilty and prosecutors can't just bring random charges i mean if the devil accused you of something you'd never even heard of you wouldn't fall for it so he brings stuff where you've actually got stuff wrong where you've actually messed up where you've actually had a misunderstanding where actually you've deliberately done something all those sort of thing because he doesn't bring random charges he's got information and he intends to take you down with the use of that information so he comes along like a lawyer he presents the evidence uh, sums up his case talks about all the things that happened and he digs and digs and he questions and he questions and he tries to tie you in knots just like a prosecutor tries to def tie defendants or witnesses in knots and, and he slants those facts and he presents those facts in a detrimental and condemning way and I, I was reminded of that this week because I, I was listening uh, while we were up in the Lake District sorting my mum's house out uh, as many of you know she died earlier in uh, well at the back end of last year but this was the first time we could actually get up there we were allowed to travel and so we went up to to sort the house out and uh, while we were doing that i was listening to a jeffrey archer book called prisoner of birth and it's actually quite a good story so far i haven't uh, finished it yet but it starts off with with kind of a, a stabbing and what then happens is you you get to see the whole court case so you know what actually happened but at the end of the, the that court case the defendant gets convicted even though he didn't do the wrong even though he was innocent and god's declaring you innocent but it's possible for a prosecutor to convince you in your head that you're guilty because yes you were there yes these things happened but there you have been set free from the consequences of those things the verdict has come down and jesus has taken the the punishment that should have been yours and but, but clever lawyers they can twist things and that's what the enemy does so what do we do we be sober and vigilant let's just have a look at those words again sober and vigilant be sober be vigilant you know um when you're sober it means you're thinking straight um literally the, the word there means don't behave like a silly drunk and you know when a person's under the influence of drink when they're under the influence of alcohol they don't think right uh, they don't talk right the stuff that comes out of their mouth is, is is kind of uh you know it, it can be all over the place and often they see things when they're they're not sober that aren't really there they see stuff from a different angle or they they imagine things or they they misunderstand things and what peter's saying is don't be like a silly drunk don't be don't go through your life like somebody who's been hitting the booze hard and he's a silly drunk don't go through your life you might think well that's that's kind of another way no that's not my way that's what these words actually mean paul's saying that don't go around like you've been hitting the booze with all this messed up thinking understand that you have been set free you have been delivered by christ and the enemy has no rights and so when he comes along accusing when he comes along dragging up your past failures you remind him of his future but also you remind him of the past where jesus totally defeated him at the cross and took the pay, paid the price for everything there and you move on you move on you walk free and you live from the power of the spirit that is within you and so we, we, we see that, that, you know, we, 
we resist the enemy by this pre-planned resistance. We've got our mind sorted. We've got our thinking sorted. Uh, and we are then steadfast. We stand. We take our stand in the grace that Jesus has provided for us. We bolt, almost like bolt ourselves onto that. You know, when I'm reading these verses, and each time I read them, I, I just think to myself, you know, I am determined that the enemy is going to steal no more from me. He's not going to steal my health. He's not going to steal my finances. He's not going to steal my relationships. He's not going to mess up my life the way he has done in the past. He's not going to get in there and, and, and add to all the other problems that we have in the world, this unhealthy world. He's not going to get in there. You see, and, and when I think that, and the, the thing that it makes me do is determine to build my life on the foundation that does not move, which is Christ himself. You see, when I'm stood on that foundation, even if the enemy tries to attack, when Jesus is number one in my life and he comes along and he tries to attack, the only result of that is he's going to bounce right off me because he's got nothing on me. If I stand in grace, he has nothing on me. And I'm going to see him for what he is, that he's a liar and he's using mind games. And since I know where he's coming from, I can also know and tell him where he's going to. If I know where he's coming from, I can tell him where to go to. And so I'm going to put my confidence in Christ. I'm going to make God number one in my life. If, if, if God's any position other than number one in your life, you can resolve right now. I'm putting you there. I'm putting you back there, the same place as you were in when I said I give my life to you. An enemy, you've got nothing on me because I'm sheltering behind the victory of Christ the power of the cross and the price is paid. You have nothing on me. I am a new creation. I have new life. The Holy Spirit is alive in me and I have hope for the future. Amen, Faith Life. Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the victory of Christ at the cross. I thank you for the reality of the grace that is available to us. And right now, Lord, I choose to put you first and foremost in my priorities and in my life. And I will take my place as an ambassador of the kingdom and walk free as I push the kingdom of the enemy out of my life. Amen. Amen, Faith Life. Um, watch out this week uh, for the notices. Uh, watch for any updates. Uh, if there's any developments in, in our, uh, restarting in our venue, we're going to be sharing those with you. Um, other than that, just have a great, great week. Put God first. Get in the Word. Remember who you are. And, you know, even if you, you kind of haven't got it all together, even if you don't understand really what's happening, do what you know to do. Trust God. Do good. Help others. Have a great week.